Hello everyone, my name is Gennaro, and today we have a special October-themed episode for the Nameless Monsters podcast. Now, usually I'm just helping out behind the scenes, but today I'll be joining in on a mothership adventure that we have prepared for you all. I was introduced to tabletop role-playing games about 10 years ago now, and for the past two or so, I've been very interested in this mothership system. Now, for those that don't know, Mothership is a sci-fi horror, very alien-inspired, OSR-style RPG system created by Sean McCoy and published by Tuesday Night Games. And I won't get too much into the nitty-gritty of the mechanics, but the gist of it is it's a D100 system where we try to roll under our stats. Probably the most notable game mechanics are stress and panic, and Stress is a number that throughout our adventure is slowly going to rise for our characters. And once they have high stress, they're very likely to panic. And when they do panic, things will go very bad and people will probably die because this is a very lethal type of system. So with that out of the way, let's introduce the rest of the cast that will be joining us tonight. Heather? I'm Heather. If you're listening to this, you probably know my voice by now. Uh, I play Mags on Nameless Monster. Super excited to be playing this system that I've never actually played before. Built a couple characters, but never gotten to play. And uh, yeah, super excited to play with these guys. It's going to be fun. My name is Elisha. I am a programmer, a game designer. Uh, you can find me online uh, on Twitter at... Ravenous Flinder. I'm Lester. I normally play Morris on Nameless Monsters. Uh, and I have played a few ses sessions of Mothership, but I think it was only like three or four in the end. All right. Uh, I am Nimrod Zarking. I'm going to be our game master for tonight. Uh, I wrote tonight's one shot as well as two other pamphlets for Terrors from Beyond the Cosmos, which is a uh, collection of Mothership adventures that Tempest Tome Games is releasing. Uh, we've got five adventures total in our box set. You can use them as is. You can integrate them into your game. And we're going to be kickstarting these bad boys in October. So if you like tonight, show uh we really want you to check out the kickstarter so you have a chance to uh run your own version uh and you can find me and my other rpg writing on twitter at jean fartre that's j-e-a-n-f-a-r-t-r-e that's just one of my favorite twitter handles oh thank you it's very it's very good it's so funny it's uh, a poor replacement for having lost my actual brand name after insulting matthew iglesias <laughs> <laughs>
should we should we segue into the actual playtime? I'm ready. All right. Do it. <clears throat> Let's get this going then. All right. We open in space where everything is. What? Including Port Millhouse, a moth-eaten space station in a forgettable utility zone, parsecs away from the luxury hotels of the Epcot cluster. Port Millhouse reeks with stale urine and vulcanized rubber. Exhausted teamsters and strung-out nomads trudge nightly to cramped hotel rooms where your feet peel off the sticky ground with every step. A crew has gathered in one such room, crowded in with two folding chairs and a cold, hard bed. They're still waiting for their contact when the last of their number arrive. Last to arrive are Milk and the robot Murgatroyd. Lester, Elisha, if you'd like to describe yourselves, please. Milk is of average height, average gender, average everything, uh, except that Z is wearing um, a mascot horse head. Like one would see at like a theme park or a hockey game as part of a total mascot costume. And the uh, Murgatroyd is a thin, wiry-framed individual, very much genderless, a uh, bit of a, a kind of th 30s greased back uh, man's uh, haircut, uh, open varsity jacket over a collared shirt, khaki shorts, and sandals which uh are all robots wear sandals yeah when they're on vacation baby oh epcot cluster <laughs> yeah i'm prepared came i didn't know they had toes uh, <laughs> they don't it's just a solid block but you know freedom is freedom they're vestigial because they evolved blocks. from android monkeys yeah. <laughs> one one little gap for the thorn yeah. <laughs> Turtle feet. Um, so, Regatroid is uh, uh, does use the they them pronouns, and I know Milk, you uh, are uh, using Z. Is it Z Zim or Zzer? Uh, Milk's using Z Zem or they them, because I won't remember. And who do Milk and Murgatroyd see, and what are they doing? Um, we're here to meet our contacts with the uh, papacy, right? Yeah, I should have worded that more clearly. Uh, Rossi and Richard, could you describe yourselves, please? Fair enough. You're in the hotel room. You've been waiting for the other two. So, uh, Rossi, also they, them, Z, Zem, uh, space. Um, they are... Tall and lanky and thin-framed, wiry-looking. Um, the most notable thing is the uh, armor that they're wearing, the gear that they're loaded up with. And it's a classic, like, hardened harlequin pattern with giant purple and yellow, uh, like, Renaissance sleeves. 
funneled into uh, a, a plate chest piece and a ridiculous hat with a small plume made out of metal. They look cranky and not at all pleased to be there. And Richard is sitting right next to them. He's a he's a bit of a larger person. He's a you you might say he's big boned, or he might say that. <laughs> he's got a very pronounced mustache, also in the very similar garb. Uh, he's also got between his legs, sitting at this bench, his pit bull, uh, Steve Irwin. Excellent. All right, team. So as soon as the crew, the last crew member has settled in, the door swings open again. First through the door are two tauncher sporting monks in immaculate black power armor, silent brothers of the Fifth Vatican. Their skin is bone white, except for red raw seams where skin grafts seal their mouths. Behind them is a human-sized smear in space, Sister Humility, her features obscured by the gray static cloud created by the warp habit her order wears. There are no pleasantries. Sister Humility speaks, her voice made robotic from the warp habit's acoustic filters. A great heresy gains power in the Epcot cluster. The blasphemer Alamo Crichton harbors a machine there, which his order has declared God's final prophet. This machine, known as Ark, designs chimeras in mockery of God's creation. It purports to rebuild Eden using forbidden algorithms to recreate the lost genome of Adam. You must retrieve the Ark's logic core from the bowels of Antediluvian Park and return it safely to us here. A ship will be entrusted to our holy allies. She gestures to Rossi and Richard. This vessel is swift and sturdy, but unarmed. Be careful. Hope you're getting this, Rossi, because I can never understand these power armor folk. <laughs> uh... Rossi does not laugh and just mm. <laughs> I imagine we're both like standing and saluting and like very formal looking. Oh yes. Yes, as soon as Sister Humility came in, bolt upright from the edge of the bed at attention. Oh, Milk. Where did you say you met these people? I'm assuming Milk just put out like, you know, Space Craig's Craigslist ad being like, I want to get revenge on my employers. Contractors, ugh. <laughs> that or like the papacy does kind of like what the FBI does and just occasionally finds crazy people to do terrorism. Like, either or. I, th I think it's very much <laughs> the second one there, yeah. Like, um... On which note, one of the silent brothers produces a fairly large um, oblong silver object from like a hatch uh, compartment uh, on his back. 
and he holds it out towards Murgatroyd. Um, and Sister Humility explains that that will need to be contained within uh, Murgatroyd's um, kind of storage chassis uh, in order to evade the park's security. Rossi grunts again. On a, on a temporary basis, I trust. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, use it as necessary. The logic core must be retrieved intact. And uh, how do we detonate this particular device? Codes are given to your owner. And uh, she nods to Milk. Uh, Milk pulls out like a set of instructions that she's written down at some point. That's like step-by-step bullet points on how to set up the bomb and, uh, you know, set it off. Milk, uh, I picture those instructions being written on the back of whatever contract it is you established with these guys. Yeah, like the front of the contract does say like, all right, this many indulgences for, you know, blow up bomb. Except like in like legalese, I guess. Exactly. Well, in legalese and in Latin, so it's doubly <laughs> incomprehensible. <laughs> but you've been pinky sworn that you're getting into heaven if you yeah, pull off this Milk job. is assuming that they're, like, holding up their end of the deal. It could just all be, like, the uh, placeholder text for all Xenos. Laura Mipsum. Uh, and... Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, our two Swiss guardsmen, of course, will be uh, given their standard wages plus uh, any typical hazard pay. Um, does the crew have any other questions for the representatives of the Fifth Vatican before you head over to your new ship? Uh, no, but I relinquish my salute and say in unison with Rossi, I imagine. All hail Space Pope. <laughs> All hail the Pontifex, uh, Sister Humility replies. And also with you. all right so you've been issued a business class courier freight the unlabeled white van of the stars uh there are four signs that this courier freight is a repurposed church mission van what are they you can still see the 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 outline of the letters that had been uh, the the tra- plastic vinyl transfer on the side of it. What do you think its old name was? Uh, it was Space Vatican fa- Four, Four. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, inner city <laughs> mission work. Youth mission work. Love it. I like the idea that they're like, all right, yeah, we can't use these vans for our on-label work now. (laughs) These are one Vatican old. All right. Uh, Lester, it sounded like you had one. I was going to say there were like faded pamphlets of like weird children's church songs still sitting in the like little pockets that van seats have. Awesome. Uh, How about, I don't don't know if... uh... I don't know much about Catholicism. Um, just, just like a, a rosary, like a bunch of rosaries, but they're all like tied and knotted around the uh, rearview mirror. <laughs> I guess it's not a car, is it? Yeah, so this is like actually, <laughs> roughly like the Millennium Falcon, I guess, in terms of setup. Like there's little beds and shit like that. Uh, but, you know, it's figuratively the white van of the stars. Um, but there could still be rosaries tied and knotted around like 
you know, doorways and such, maybe. Yeah, well, I, I just figured one that's right out in front, maybe it's hanging from a big lever, and uh, it's it's so, it's very clearly, like, it just got so knotted up over time that nobody could figure yeah. out how to get it off. Gor- the Gordian Rosary. Yeah, There's... Gordian Rosary, exactly. There's, like, a student driver bumper sticker <laughs> that's been, like, trying to be peeled off, but they couldn't from, like, the previous owner. Love it. Fantastic. Do you guys have any preparations you want to make before you get on the ship and head to Antediluvian Park? Are we expecting this to be, uh... How much force are we going to be expecting to use here on this mission? I think your official guidance has been to proceed uh, as carefully as you can, as long as you can, but to expect resistance eventually. Gotcha. Well, yeah. I would I would love to pick up a couple of holy shotgun rounds. I only equipped with two. OK, yeah, I think you're on Port Millhouse is like a CD place. So I think you're only going to be able to acquire regular shotgun rounds, but you have uh, people Can around who later? could, yeah, bless them. I mean, you could <laughs> probably get Sister Humility to do that for you, I would imagine. If you dare yeah. ask. Uh, I have I have 44 credits uh, to my person. Perfect. I don't know if I will be required to, spo- uh, you know, finance these myself. I think um, for the shotgun rounds, let me see. I only start with two, so I don't know if how real how many would be realistic for me to have. Yeah, I would say I'm trying to think because they do want you to succeed. So I'll say let's say they give you uh, four more shotgun rounds and Sister Humility blesses them for you. But she requires you to say seven Hail Marys right in front of her. And then she makes you promise to say seven more Hail Marys every time you fire one of the bullets. It will be done, sister. (laughs) So you've got two you've got two shotgun rounds without that requirement. But once you fire off your first two shots, you will have to say the seven Hail Marys after each shot. I go to Rossi and say, they didn't have any sniper, holy sniper rounds. I'm sorry. <laughs> Rossi grunts again. And um, can I also stock up on some ammunition for my for my Absolutely. smart rifle? Uh, how much ammunition have, have you got currently? three mags, and apparently there are, uh, where did I write this down? Uh, 24 rounds per mag 12 shots 12 shots oh, sorry wow. okay 12 okay. shots per mag okay um so let's go ahead and say you can get two more mags and uh similar requirement to him uh that you'll have to every time you use one from the blessed mags you will have to say okay. seven hail marys uh i lower my voice and like lean into the sister a little bit respectfully and i and I say, is it is it possible for me to say them before I make the shot? Is that is that acceptable? The Vatican Council of 3977 has authorized saying it during she offers in her best attempt to be helpful. Great. I, I bow my head and back away a few steps. Excellent. Uh, any other preparations before you guys climb aboard? I ca- grab a couple of dog-friendly communion wafers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, they eventually relented on whether or not dogs go to heaven. The Vatican is like, fine, the people demand it. It's yeah. all dogs. All dogs. Yeah, you, there, there have been probably at least one, like, Catholic space dictator who gave himself a little dog DNA to commit atrocities, but I don't think it panned out for him. Like, they, like, you know, they, they... Fine, dogs get into heaven, but you can't play tennis anymore. That's a sin. <laughs> that was the best we could do. <laughs> we have to, we have to square the, square the loop somehow. Okay. All right. Mm. So seconds after you guys climb in, your chartered pilot Daris activates the ship and the space station disappears beneath you as your ship pierces into the nauseating geometries of hyperspace. A high-pitched wail whistles out the windows as the ship's hypersystems hold it together. You're going to have about a 12-hour journey before you get to Antediluvian Park. How are you guys planning on spending that time? Um, can milk, like, I don't, nobody has to pay attention to what milk's saying, but I think milk is going to start a very long, in-depth, half insane rant, half just like informative com conversation about, uh, Zare's, uh, theme park character that they were playing, Balaam's ass, <laughs> and all of the, uh, extra <laughs> papal lore about Balaam's ass that has come out in the last, like, 3,000 years or whatever. 4,000 years? I don't know what year this is. The papacy extended universe of Balaam's ass. Uh, on that note, actually, Lester, um, one thing I wanted to strike up with you is I think your character probably had an established bit in the park, like a little show you were part of. Um, so if you guys do get into the Hall of the Nephilim, you'll have a little more knowledge about that stuff because you basically were for a long time working with a Nephilim quote-unquote actor. Yes. Excellent. And I, and I think we decided, or at least like we said in passing, that the show with Balaam's ass was basically like, getting the shit beat out of Zem by the audience and an actor playing. <laughs> yeah. So I think what, so I think you've got like crowd work they would have you do, and then you would have a big show each day as well. So in the big show, you basically do that little pantomime, but with one of the actual Nephilim. And then like when you're doing uh, your okay. crowd work later, that's when you get your ass kicked just by strangers and tourists and stuff. Cause they're like, yeah, I feel just like Balaam now. <laughs> So immersive. I think that um, Richard's initial annoyance with uh, Milk about being a contractor is like immediately waived when he f finds out that Milk was worked in the park because um, mm. Richard always has been wanting to visit this park. He's finally getting to, unfortunately, has to work. But he's like, so you, you, oh, you, my God, you were in the, what was the show you were in? <laughs> It's easy. He wants to hear everything about it. He's like, can you tell me, is it is it true that three people died on the... <laughs> uh, well, what do we call the roller coaster? The harrowing... The harrowing, the harrowing. Oh my god, is it true three people died on the harrowing last year? Yeah. Uh, Rossi, Rossi, we need to get... It. We need to get in line for that. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Okay, Dixon. I think Milk is gonna be like, you know, just between you and me, it was actually six people, but uh, <laughs> we covered up three of those deaths. Oh 
my gosh. Uh, I think Rosie doesn't like space travel. Uh, they get really nauseated as soon as they're out of artificial gravity. And um, so in order to distract themselves, they have uh, spread out one of those novelty, like the tourist maps of Epcot, mm. you know, where it's got the, the illustrated icons all over it. And he's, th they are trying to like measure distances and look for uh, likely nests that they could occupy at various points. Rossi, I want to reward that by, because I feel like you would also in that time be able to and have reason to look at a map of the park itself. Um, so I'm briefly in the chat, just going to write a brief description of what the zones in the park are so that when, or at least right. the public facing zones, so that when you get there, you'll have a little bit of ability to attack it more strategically. All uh, right. Dope. And uh, I guess Murgatroyd would uh, probably be paying close attention to whatever Milk was saying uh, out of, uh, you know, a sense of protocol. But uh, in this case, since I've heard all of this so many times, I'm going to go talk to Rossi while they do this and get an idea of what uh, strategies... Uh, Z has in mind, and maybe ask a little bit, uh, what, what kind of work have you and Richard done together before? I'm curious. Well, there's not a lot that I can tell you about openly. Vatican has a pretty strict uh, NDA when it comes to wet work. Shoot, I'm not supposed to say wet work either. <laughs> Uh, the Vatican Five has uh, a very strict non-disclosure arrangement with all of their employees. But I can tell you that this is not the first mission of this type that Dixon and I have worked together on. Yeah, of course. I'm... Uh interested in, I guess, uh, not specifics, but practical, useful information about the people we will be working with. You understand? Uh, and uh, Murgatroyd will just start asking further questions, trying to keep things vague uh, and uh, liberally using the word wet word. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. So you guys have a reasonably uneventful ride over, but, you, you know, you keep yourselves entertained. Sounds like you're getting to know each other, which is very nice. After about 12 hours, you emerge from hyperspace. The terrible wailing of the ship's uh, hyperspace system disappears and you find yourself floating in space right outside of Antediluvian Park. Uh, Antediluvian Park occupies a giant brass sphere in space. The exterior is tiled with recreations of Da Vinci's Vitruvian Man, the limbs altered in each tile to resemble a different creature, a crab claw here, a cluster of mushrooms there, etc. 
The hangar appears as a small section of four empty tiles, revealing a runway within. The interior is filled with recreational ships, pleasure barges, and freighters like your own. You can see giant elevators beyond leading down into the park. I'm sorry, I have a question. Heather has a question. Um, would... Will will Dixon and I be able to wear our uniforms down there? Is the, the degree of stealth required so much that we need to reprogram our armor or anything like that? Or can we go as ourselves? It is a theme park and you it is a religious theme park and you are wearing the battle armor of the like, it sounds like wet work doers of a rival church. So I would say probably, yeah, some kind of disguise would be a good move for you too. Uh, thanks for bringing that up, because that's a pretty, yeah, you guys are just walking in as, uh, like... <laughs> I, I mean, I just, it seemed like a reasonable question to ask. Um, I, I am going to say, unless unless you veto this, um, that our... We can reprogram the armor that we are wearing. Like, there is some field generator that's that's, you know... We've got a, a pet pit boy on our arm that we can mm -hmm. reprogram to make it look different. I um, think that's completely fine. I think what I'll say is because you guys are like you're you're working for a real organization that has its shit together. So when you're just interacting with like regular park staff, like ticket counters, uh, food court dweebs, shit like that, they're not even going to question the glamour. It's not going to occur to them to look for that. When you're interacting with park security, however, they will get a chance to potentially see through the disguise since you're probably cool. not the only people in the universe with this tech. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, that. you can disguise yourselves effortlessly until you run into someone who actually matters, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that seems fair. That's On a related note, they do probably have at least some cursory scanning for weapons and things like that because... Uh, I was just going to yeah. say. Uh, and I think they'll be a little more lenient on this than most other major theme parks because this it was founded by Texans. Um, but, they, they, you know, they still have to do something. The Texas? The, well, uh, the the creators of Antediluvian Park uh, culturally descend from the Texodus of 3009. Wow. Um, so they're not really from the Texas uh, anytime recently, but culturally it's a sort of mythologized homeland for them. Could I get us through security in any way by just claiming I'm here to like pick up some of the shit I left behind in my employee life. Yeah, and you need two armed guards. <laughs> it's like, I had like a full, I provided my own mascot suit, I think, that's like of a much higher quality than all of the other mascot suits. Like, that's how into the role of Balaam's ass milk was. And so like, there's like two or three different copies Balaam somehow ended up with like three employee lockers, whereas everybody else has to like share one just because Z had so much shit uh, to go along with their act. If you guys wanted to uh, Star Wars it a little bit, because Jannara, you do bring up a good point about the two armed guards, but you could do a, yeah, we have a disgruntled employee here. They say that they have some things left that they have to retrieve. We're just here to supervise and keep this little rascal out of any trouble would potentially yeah, be a story yeah, that I yeah. could see these people buying. Yeah, let's do that. And I'm the toaster. 
<laughs> yeah, you're just like the first piece of property they found, but you know, he's got caches all over. <laughs> I would assume I'm assuming Milk is already pretty well known to security. Um like <laughs> I'm assuming like, you know, suicide mission from the Pope was not was not Sarah's first uh, attempt at getting back at their <laughs> Absolutely. Like, you're, you're someone that they say has, like, suicide mission from the Pope vibes, like, since middle school has just been a thing people have noticed about you. Voted most likely. So you guys uh, are driven in by your pilot, uh, whose name I immediately forgot. Uh, Darius. Darius, thank you so much. See, you're, I don't even need a brain. I got you brilliant people here. <laughs> Darius uh, lands the ship as gently as an elephant picking a single petal from a flower with its trunk. Uh, the wow. place Jesus. settles down. Uh, you have a nice clean walk <laughs> to the elevator entrance area. Uh, you can tell that this is a busy, popular place. Um, unlike Port Millhouse, where most of the parking spots, for lack of a better word, were unoccupied, this place is pretty crammed to the gills. Like, it's, again, a testament to Darius's piloting skill that he's able to even find a spot as efficiently as he does. Um, and he has yet to speak a word to you guys. He basically doesn't even communicate. He just turns on the buttons in the ship that say shit like, take off your seatbelt and whatnot. <laughs> um, but your ship lands, you encounter no, you know, friction other than just lots of other people uh, in line headed into the park at the same time as you. Some of them, especially some of the like littler kids, look a little asconce at the two big security guards escorting the fellow with a donkey mask. Uh, but it's space. People run into this kind of thing more than you'd think. Uh, and so you're able to get in unmolested. Um... <laughs> you descend on the elevator into the lobby, and I'm going to describe a few things. I'll also, I think the only real thing here that's time context is just what's showing at the mega chapel. So at this time, you guys will have some <laughs> latitude uh, to determine uh, what time you arrive at. But I'll go ahead and just read the description of what you see, because Antediluvian Park is a 24-hour operation. People oh in this cluster are open all times of day, so it's going to look the same pretty much at any point in time. So, you arrive at uh, the three hangar elevators on the right. Christian Space Disco rattles from the loudspeakers, barely audible over the stressed families and insane children of the park. A small coterie of youths stand in a circle under the jungle gym, speaking tongues, while shouts can be heard from the food court, where a man's secret families have just discovered each other. A pair of squat, bobble-headed mascots in yellow and purple felt hold the weeping man's husbands apart as they attempt to fistfight one another. Others have their own dramas, ecstatic prayer, wild-eyed screamers, people weeping and laughing. Most of the androids you see here appear to be damaged and sparking, including a group of Baptists who look especially busted, standing under a banner that reads the First Baptist Church of the Electric Droid. You also see several who are almost wholly covered by large foil cloaks. Along the walls farthest from you, you see the elevators to the park, the gift shop, rides, games, and a gray security door. There it is. Rossi. Okay, okay. Hold my hand. Look, 
<laughs> no, I'm not holding your hand. We've had this conversation. What I will do, and Rossi looks around, makes eye contact with Dixon, says, I will go and hold your place in line while you go get me a hot dog. Do you think they have a quick pass? You know, we should have asked. <laughs> we should have asked when we got our tickets. Didn't think about it with the job going on, but yeah, with a, yeah. that line, though. We've got to look, we've got to blend in, right? Right. We've, we've got a job first. Job first. So go get me a hot dog and I'm going <laughs> to hold your place in line. <laughs> All right. Uh, tin can. Let's go. Mm. All right. So you're headed to the food court to get Rossi a hot dog. Do I understand that correctly? Yes. And I'm going to go stand in the single rider line at the harrowing. Perfect. All right. And I'm, I'm going with uh, Richard. Uh, so, yeah. Fantastic. The obvious is, is left alone. Um, at the food court, uh, you're greeted with all kinds of smells. Um, you kind of get the impression looking around that the food court is the main place where families kind of dump themselves when they're a little tired and overwhelmed from everything else in the park. Um, and the manner in which they're overwhelmed is definitely unusual. You see parents trying to reach through to members of their family with real concern on their eyes as their eyes roll back in their head and they mutter impossible phrases. You see people talking to bodies that are not there. Uh, you see folks cowering in the corner, hiding under the tables and things of that nature. Um, it's going to be a couple of minutes in line at the hot dog stand, probably at Big Al's Cantina would be the best way to get one quick. Uh, I noticed though, uh, so we've got our, one of our guards is at the food court. One of our guards is with the ride. The person you're allegedly guarding has not named their location yet. So who's going to be babysitting Milk uh, <laughs> right now? I mean, I, I assumed that Milk was going to stay with one of us. Yeah. No, I'm heckling character actors. Fair enough. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Milk, are you targeting any specific mascots that you see? Um, they're kind of evenly distributed all over. If I see, like, anyone involved with the Balaam's ass story, that's who Milk is going to heckle first, just basically being like, Psh, when I was Balaam's ass, I did this way better. Like, oh, he doesn't have anywhere near enough emotion in his screams while he's being beaten by children. Oh, uh, you know what, Milk, I think I need you to roll intellect for me real quick. Well, milk's real dumb, so... Uh, do I need... Okay, so my intellect is 35, so I'm trying to roll below that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> 79. All right. There's something wrong here, Milk. Something you're not completely... Sh you can't put your finger on it. But something doesn't look the way that it used to. You see that the mascots are all different, but you remember that. That's how you lost your job. But there's something here that's not quite right, and you can't put your finger on it. And unfortunately, your inability to put your finger on it gives you a point of stress. Oh, no. So now I'm at three. 
Uh, and so, okay. Milk, you don't see the specific type of character actor you're looking for. Uh, there are the mascots that are breaking up the fight over in the food court, uh, which would at least put you within spaking dis spitting distance of one of your alleged guardians. Uh, but as I mentioned, the mascots are basically everywhere. So you could go hassle mascots in the gift shop, the restrooms, the games, etc. Um, where do we think... <laughs> Balaam's ass was used like where where was milk stationed back in the day because that's probably where he headed to yeah first. so your two main zones would have been doing the crowd work uh but the big show every day was down in the hall of the nephilim which you know that you can access by taking the park elevators at the far end of the lobby on the left um i'm gonna guess that like some of the crowd work like, I'm going to guess the harrowing of hell has a very long line. Yes. And so there was a lot of crowd work happening around there just to keep people, like, pliant. Yeah. While waiting in in line. So I'm going to guess that that's where uh, Milk headed first to just be a nuisance. Perfect. Um, so what you're actually going to see then is the crowd work outside the harrowing of the hell. Um, there is one person in a big felt mascot costume. Uh, and the mascot, the pink mascot, is lying on the ground, kind of spasming a little bit. Um, and there is a gawky teenager in a fake gray beard uh, and a sort of leather tunic uh, holding up a giant knife over the mascot's head. Uh, and he keeps, like bringing down the knife and every time he brings it down you see him click a button and it replaces the knife with a different sort of funny object so uh -huh. he brings it down once uh and he's like ah! and he's like weeping and sobbing clearly with grief at whatever it is he's pretending to do but then when he pulls the knife back up instead of being a blade with a stabbed mascot it's like a bouquet of flowers and so he looks at it and he gets all consternated and then he clicks it again and it turns back into a knife and then he starts sobbing again because he thinks about what he has to do and then he repeats it all over again and this time it's like a big floppy dildo or something like that is this the binding of isaac <laughs> Yes, Amazing. it is. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, I think I think Milk's gonna go over there and start like critiquing Abraham's emotional connection to his character. <laughs> what uh, what is what is Milk gonna say? Oh my god. Give me give me some dialogue here. I need to if I'm gonna be this teen. Um I think Milk's probably like Milk was really into being Balaam's ass. So I think Milk is probably gonna be like, you know, Nobody can tell that you have a connection to your son. You know, if you were really sacrificing your son, you'd be ripping out your hair. You'd be sobbing and in in despair. Not just these weeny little tears you have going on, man. Do you even do you even feel like Abraham? Have you even become Abraham? The the kid looks at you. You see his like mock sorrow turn into just real annoyance very quickly uh which then immediately melts into like fear because he's like oh shit maybe this guy's with like corporate or something uh, he's like man can you i'm doing the thing here uh and then he like clicks the knife again uh to try and kind of get on with the act uh hoping that you're gonna leave him alone can i try and Man, like, 
I feel like Milk would try to like bully his way into the act to be like, let me show you how it's done. But I also don't know if that's going to cause like cause us too many problems. I mean, be bold, right? <laughs> All right. Milk's going to try. Milk, who is still wearing the horse mascot head, is going to try and bully Abraham out of this scene so that. Z can become Abraham and show Abraham how it's really done. Um, I think if this is going to be emotional bullying, you're going to need to roll intellect. I think if this is going to be physical bullying, bullying, you should roll strength or speed. I'll roll speed because that's my highest stat. All right. And then you have to tell me a speedy thing you do to is drive this teen into submission. Mm. Would sleight of hand to just steal the dildo work? That'd be great. Yes, that'd be perfect. That's kind of what I was I hoping you'd zero, say. I got 003. All right. You said is equal to three, right? Yes, so you succeed. Okay. You uh, effortlessly snatch the dildo flower knife uh, from the stupid teen's hand. Um, the moment you grab it, uh, you do hear a click. Um, you see that there was like kind of a hidden button closer to the base of the thing that he had been holding down. Uh, and when you slide a hand, the knife away from him, he's like, don't. Uh, and at the same time, the mascot stops having its little spasms on the ground. Oh, oh dear. Um, interesting. Roll speed again. I got 15. Is that a success? Uh, my speed's 39. So yes. All right. Uh, you can act, and this thing is getting up. Um, hold on. I'm looking at Bible verses from the fucking of Isaac. <laughs> In the meantime, uh, Richard, I'm noticing we may have an issue over here. What a freak show. <laughs> yeah. Richard, you're just That's about a... to get your hot dog in line. You can you can abandon the hot dog if you want to go intervene, or you can wait for the hot dog. How, it's up to okay. you. Can I ask two questions? Yeah. How close is Rossi to the front of the single rider line as opposed to how close they are to milk at this moment? So you guys are kind of, I would say you guys within mothership terms are nearby each other, which means you're within an actionable distance of each other. Okay. Uh, I think if Rossi wants to intervene in this, I'll need you to roll speed as well. Okay. Um, well, I will, I will do that. I will forego Dixon's place in line <laughs> for the good well, of the mission. I, I, I'm at least uh, not holding a place in line. But that brings up a question to me is, do we have uh, communications means? Are we are we wired or I, I think uh, just I think have headsets. the Swiss guards definitely are. Yeah. But just the two of us. Yeah, we have I know milk, milk and Murgatroyd, you guys don't really seem to be simpatico enough for that, if I'm going to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> but I think. I think we said that, like, Milk had just left Murgatroyd in the closet for months. Right, and only brought oh, yeah. him out for, everything like, I know. Balaam roleplay. <laughs> oh. Yeah, everything I know about Milk is uh, basically from living in the walls and listening. <laughs> so It's very Encanto. Uh, <laughs> poor... But, but Murgatroyd understands the utility of the situation here. I'm going to... Uh, I, I will head over and I will 
let Richard know that I can, uh, I'm gonna do my best to <laughs> defuse this situation while not, uh, interrupting the clearly, uh, mission-critical activities <laughs> that, uh, you two are, uh, involved in right now. I'm glad you understand. Uh, in that case, I'll let you also roll speed, Murgatroyd, to see if you want to, if, uh, what order in which you're able to get involved. All right. Uh, 45 does not beat a 31, I believe. All right. So you're going to take a point of stress because whatever the mascot does, it's going to do it before you get to do anything. And just the fact that it's kind of an unknown and you know shit's getting spicy just gives you this sinking feeling in your gut, you know. Uh, and Rossi, what did you end up? Did you end up succeeding at your speed roll? I have not rolled yet. I was waiting to see ah, all right. what happened. Oh, I rolled a six. So, yes. All right. So you and Milk are both uh, allowed to go before the mascot does whatever it's planning on doing. So make it count. All right. Okay. So Milk is going to yell in a booming voice, the Lord will provide. And then um, he's not going to like... Milk was letting people like actually beat them up as part of the Balaam's ass. And so I think Milk believes that real blood needs to be drawn <laughs> to really like commit yes. to the act. Um, so he's not going to like press the button to turn it into like flowers or a dildo. Awesome. So he's going to yell out the Lord will provide and then he's going to bring down the knife onto the mascot character while screaming out, my son, my son. Oh, Lord, I provide with you, my son, like sobbing as best as he can within like the horse mascot head that he is still wearing. So you're just um, like human tears leaking out of your horse neck. Yes, yes. Just sobbing and like r pulling at his clothes. What's the crowd like right now? Uh, I think uh, I'll, I'll, I'll consult the cards. Give me a second. They're eating it up. That's kind of what I want to say. Oh, no, the crowd is deeply concerned. People are actually <laughs> like they don't they get the impression right away that this is a crazy horse faced man. Uh, and a lot of these people, you know, a lot of these people have already been kind of stressed today. Um, so the good news is the line shortens. A lot of people are scattering. <laughs> that is good. Plenty, news. though. Yeah. Plenty, though, are like taking out their um, space iPhones and, uh, you know, they're like terrifiedly filming this because they don't really know what's going on, but they think it'll make uh, it'll blow up. It'll get clouded. Now, for you, though, Balaam, uh, I am going to need you to <laughs> go ahead and roll combat for what sounds like attempted murder. Um, may I in this moment? I got a 52, which is a failure. Take a point of stress. OK. Uh, all right. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, the way that's going to work is you do stab into the mascot costume exactly where a heart should be in a person. Uh, and there's just the, okay. one of the things you notice is there's not a sternum there. It's just like you stabbed a, a big thing full of goo. And your knife comes out wet, but it's the wet you get when you, like, put it in a partially cooked loaf of banana bread. It's not like mm -hmm. I grievously injured a creature wet. So you're taking a point of stress because you fucked up. You thought you were in a good position to fuck this guy's day. And also you're taking an additional point of stress because you've just discovered you are not interacting with a human being at all. So two points of stress so total. five now. That sounds right. What's the maximum? 
Uh, the maximum is 20, but I am also afraid that since this is really your first time interacting with a thing like this, and you're doing it in such an egregiously negative position, I'm gonna need you to roll a d20, and I'm gonna need you to get higher than five for your own good. This is a panic check, baby. I got a seven, bitch. All right. So you feel the panic rise up in your chest. You feel it threatening to devour you, but you're able to keep cool. You're a proper psychopath. So this is rough. This is weird, <laughs> but you can roll with the punches as as bleak as those punches may be. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was going to ask, I assume that... Since these these two performers, human or etc., uh, I, I assume that since this is the scene they are playing, that somewhere nearby there is a sheep just waiting to be scooped, right? Like somewhere? No, no, no. Well, because uh, God replaces they, Isaac with a sheep. Uh, in, in the story, Abraham looks over and there is a ram caught in a bush. Yeah. Roll, roll theology to see oh. if that's true. Well, I am not trained in that. <laughs> so what do I have? What to... do they teach at Swiss Guard School these days? Uh, just intellect then. <laughs> okay. Uh oh, man, these dice are hot. That's a twelve. Fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Um, in this particular case, uh, the lamb in question actually does just appear to be like a giant uh, roasted gyro cone um, that just has like a meat, ham, head. You know, you get part of the like, you can immediately intuit the climax of this is that they like slice off a bunch of gyros and they serve them to the crowd, you know, and everyone claps. Yes, and I love it. Delicious food. Very, yeah. very uh, uh, pig roast atmosphere. Yes. yes. I don't know what you're going to do with that, but yes, there's a giant okay. hero in the shape of a lamb. Well, that's what I want to do is I want to uh, in in Rossi's very flat affect, I will yell, behold, and just pull this ham hero thing and throw it on top of these actual employees and try and push milk away from this situation. Which I think milk is probably going to see uh, Rossi as the angel who intervenes to stop Abraham. <laughs> and so milk is like, yeah, this is part yeah. of the show. Uh -huh. Let's go. All right. So I think, though, Heather, that sounds like two kind of distinct <laughs> actions to me. That's fair. So I think I am going to need you to choose for me. Are you going to focus on placating the crowd with roast meat, a classic move for the Catholic Church, <laughs> or are you planning to uh, prioritize saving uh, this big dummy who's just gotten you in a bunch of trouble? I'm, I'm trying. Somebody talk this out with me because I'm trying to figure out what what the Vatican would prioritize here because sister mm. humility said that we needed the, that the goal is the logic core mm -hmm. and to be, yep. to be stealthy about it as much as yes. we could. I to tell you truth yeah. in terms of prioritization, then appeasing the crowd helps with stealth and like milk is an asset, right? But you do have other ways of proceeding on the quest if need be. Right. I don't know if this changes things, but I, I am do. also envisioning that this is not the first time Milk has, like, 
decided that Z would do a better job at a show than uh, the actual actors. Yes, I think that makes a lot of sense. And that's actually probably going to become relevant fairly soon. But first, I need to know exactly what uh, Rossi wants to do with her turn. Their turn. Sorry. You're good. You're good. Like I said, I'm misgendering myself, so. Um, <laughs> yes. And Richard, do you want to go ahead and roll speed, too, just to figure out where you are in initiative, even if you do choose to... But yeah. you do have me approaching the scene as well. Yes. Uh, ready to cover whatever you're missing, you know? Right. Yeah, let's get everybody in the mix here. Where you are on the hot dog line. Sorry, I rolled a uh, 46 on speed. OK, so that's a failure, right? Yeah. So you're also going to take um, a point of stress for the exact same reason I told Murgatroyd. Uh, you see, there's a guy. He's bad. You don't want to be losing to him because you don't know what he's going to do. I'm also going to put our initiative count in the chat just so that we don't lose track of who's doing what. May I? Uh, I'm not sure how this compares to like 5E turns, um, mm -hmm. but do I have like a free action so I could check in with my partner here? Um, yeah, you can do like a, a quick like talking, I yeah. think is fine as a free okay. action. Um, the basically, the way it works yeah, is you get a move. You get one thing that you do, and then I am fine with you talking as a free action. I don't okay. think there's anything wrong with cool, that. Cool, cool. Then I yeah, one to two free actions are fine within reason. Is okay. what I wrote down on my cheat sheet. Awesome. Um, so I I press my palm where the the uh, activator for my short range comms uh, is located, and uh, say Dixon, asset crowd. Got it. Also, they only had corn dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's all right. Uh, I can't even. Rossi is just so frustrated in this moment. And the thought of not having a delicious hot dog is just the cherry on top. So uh, they are going to grab the gyro and just like baseball swing pinata and just chunk it on top of the performer that is Isaac. Awesome. And your goal specifically here is to make it look like it's all part of the all yes, part of the show, right? Yes. All right. So go ahead and roll intellect, I think would be the best way to proceed on that. Okay. This is a near thing. My intellect's 30. Oh, and that's a 43. Uh, okay. Uh, I think I, I think what's going to happen then is just you throw it a little too hard. Um, and so it doesn't it just looks like you're adding to the assault, basically. Um, and that kind of breach and the fact that, like, if you did want to hurt this thing, you would have done something more effective, like the embarrassment of people thinking that's your best contribution to the fight gives you a point of stress. Yeah, that seems fair. Um. So a couple of things are going to happen. Uh, the thing uh, wrestling Isaac or wrestling uh, milk is going to wobble its head super fast. And the big mascot head is going to go flying into the crowd. Uh, and 
Milk's mascot head or the Thing's mascot head? The Thing's mascot head. Uh, And I say the Thing because Milk and Rossi are both going to take a point of stress seeing what they see. And I think you're both going to need to roll panic because you were not anticipating this even knowing something bad was under there. Uh, so, uh, So what you see is a giant crab claw where this creature's head should be. Um, and it's like kind of a fucky looking crab claw too. Like it doesn't look totally normal. And what this crab claw is gonna do is this crab claw is gonna snap right in Milk's face. Oh, wow. Well, I got a 15, so. Uh, for your panic check? Yep. All right. Uh, unfortunately, uh, all right, so... Wait, am I uh, trying to roll above or below? You're trying to roll bel- above for panic, below for everything else. And panic is yep. the d20 okay. roll. Yes. Okay. Okay, yeah, so I got 15. All right. Um. So you... The creature snaps right in your face. Uh, unfortunately, I think a little bit of... I. Th- uh, felt is still like caught in between the crab claws like it didn't it like ripped part of the mask when it flung off no uh, and so as a result the clack that it's trying to attack you with is like muffled by the felt and it just kind of doesn't go off very effectively in your face it's just like a scary thing waving right in front of you can you see any of milk's human face no no no, no. your mask is fine uh the creature's oh, okay. mask yeah the creature's mask gets oh. sorry i didn't uh, anticipate how many mascots would be in the equation when i like <laughs> visualized <laughs> all of these fights uh the creature's mascot mask did not come off perfectly and so some shreds of it are stuck in its crab claw to explain why it failed its combat roll against you so it tried to murder you oh, it failed okay. yeah and you are really getting away with with this shit impeccably. Good job, Bill. Uh, so far, at least. Second thing is going to happen, though. Uh, a woman is going to march onto the scene, accompanied by two more mascots. Um, let me get to her character description. Uh, she wears, she is a couple, Hagar Simpson, who you recognize right away, Milk, having gotten on her bad side multiple times, is a couple hundred pounds of muscle wrapped in body armor and adorned with one of the bigger pulse rifles you've ever seen. Her murdering hand hovers instead, however, over the instrument at her hip, a mutant jaw with jagged rows of teeth forming a spiral cutting edge. Milk, I think she's going to roll to, hmm, trying to remember what she would have seen. So a ham or an excellent performance. Well, yeah, sure. An excellent performance. So she's seen you wrestle this thing. She's seen this thing try to attack you. I actually think her first move is going to be to put a thick boot on the creature's chest uh, yell, what the hell is going on here? As her left hand um, touches a button on her belt. Um, the creature kind of goes stiff and she looks down at milk and she sighs possibly the biggest sigh any of you <laughs> have ever seen come out of a human being. And she says, fucking of course. Somehow, after all that, You're still here in my hair, milk. 
And with her spare foot, she is, and this is not a combat move. This is just her being rude. She does kick you away from the mascot, just out of disgust with your behavior. <laughs> uh, and that's going to be her move. And we've got Murgatroyd and Richard. Uh, and then I will turn to uh, Hagar Simpson, who I, whose name I do not know, I presume. Uh, and I will say, and, and, and you'll see Murgatroyd's Demeter immediately shift the very flat unamused look on their face, suddenly giving way to uh, a bright, smiling look, and um, Bridges becoming immediately very affable and, um, if, if, if anything, a bit effeminate with their uh, physicality, and say, I'm so sorry, darling, this has been a bit of a misunderstanding. Uh, we're here with the Double Iris uh, Protections and Legal Team uh, to discuss my client here, Milk's situation uh, regarding their severance and property on the premises. I would say roll uh, in intellect plus rimwise makes the most sense to me to see whether or not you're able to pull that off. Thank you. I was going to say linguistics because I you can you could say I maybe peppered in a little more legalese mm -hmm. than than I actually did there. <laughs> I'm getting ready to read some Bible verses. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, ooh, twenty eight. So I definitely pass. Nice. Uh, no matter what bonuses I get, I have a fifty two int. Robots. Very nice. Mm. So it won't be her turn yet, and I don't know what Richard has planned, so I'm not going to officially drop initiative. But you do definitely see her like. You see her posture change from outrage to, like, a little bit more professional. Like, an adult has been presented to her uh, who has at least said something that makes sense. So she is at least going to, like, probably stop and find out what is going on now. Yeah. Uh, and then, Richard, I believe you're last to go before we get to Milk and Rossi. Uh, Richard's going to forego his... Forgo his turn but he's gonna hold up the corn dog and he he t took a mustard packet and drew a little cross on the, on the, on the corn dog. oh that's, that's okay really good for mustard distribution too i really respect that all right yeah uh milk's gonna take on a like are you not entertained kind of a pose um <laughs> And he's going to start reciting from the Bible. And the angel of the Lord, and he's going to gesture to Hagar, called to Abraham from heaven. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and beheld. Behind him okay. was a ram. And then he gestures to the light. I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Richard he, is going to go to, like, like, not, like, restrain, but just, like, put his hands, like, on Milk's shoulders to, like, make sure they don't do anything. I've, uh, no, I'm just going to recite my Bible verses. Um, where was that? He wants to be ready. Okay. And then so, wait, 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 real quick, I want to <laughs> I want to give Richard a fair shot to do his thing. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to take any particular role. So you just take your turn getting into place uh, in case Milk uh, yeah. does something insane. Exactly. All right, that sounds good to me. 
Uh, and okay. then Milk Should does something mildly insane. Yeah, you wanna do you wanna do your bit again? I didn't mean to t- uh, walk right. over you. Uh, so Milk's gonna take on the already not entertained pose, and he's gonna start narrating, and he's gonna gesture to Hagar, and he's gonna say, "And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven," and then he's gonna gesture to the weird lamb meat apparatus. And he's going to say, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram. Um, and then he's going to, like, pick up the ram and present, like, hold it as if it's an offering. And then say, and Abraham said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And then I think he just kind of continues to ramble, finishing up the Bible verses and story that I don't want to read. Hagar shakes her head and is like, this is why we got the f- engineered the fucking scabs. <laughs> uh, and then Rossi. Um, can I get a read on what Hagar's body language is at the moment? So... Hagar, she pretty much always walks around with one hand right on her side arm, which is a genetically engineered donkey jaw. Um, Yeah. Wow. Uh, Other than that, uh, you have seen her body language shift from ferocity and tension uh, to more curiosity. She's still very visibly irritated. Um, but whereas before she seemed confident that things were immediately going to escalate and she was going to have to deal with things decisively, now she just wants to know what's going on and is a little less uh, worried and a little less likely to react uh, violently. Fair enough. So honestly, as Can long as pull? you don't start nothing, there won't be nothing. Yeah. But yeah. You, you are about to find out whether or not your disguises stand up to her scrutiny. Yeah. Uh, because you kind of do need some guards there to back up uh, Murgatroyd's successful lie. And you, yeah. So Rossi shifts into security mode and they're going to square up uh, flanking milk from wherever Richard Dixon is situated. So I'm, I'm picturing Dixon's got, you know, a hand on milk's shoulder coming from the back left. So Rossi is going to take the front right qu- quadrant and uh, assume a textbook. Yeah. 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 Got it. All right. Can we? What's the temperature of the crowd? Uh, now that so now that milk has finished the scene. I think the I think when Hagar Simpson arrived, uh, that was enough to get the crowd from panicking to more curiosity and gawking. So now it's more of a you know rubbernecking kind of scenario. People are looking at you guys. Uh, people are kind of whispering to each other. There's more phones out, things of that nature. Yeah, you guys have become a, a proper do spectacle. Not, do they not know their Bible? You know, Hagar's clearly the angel from the Lord <laughs> in the binding of Isaac, preventing Abraham from killing his son. So I think if Rossi's not starting any shit and Milk hasn't started any shit, we can go ahead and drop initiative. Uh, and Hagar Simpson is going to look at our two guards here, and she is now going to get a chance to find out whether or not you guys are the real deal. 
here's the pitch I'm going to make to you guys because I want, you know, I want you guys to succeed, but in a reasonable way. We've already established you guys have this technology. It seems like something that would be a part of your standard job as members of the Swiss Guard. And it kind of is the only way those outfits couldn't ever make any fucking sense. <laughs> so I would assume that this would be part of your literal military training. So I'm going to let you guys roll intellect plus military training to determine whether or not your outfits are successful. And I am going to make you both roll separately uh, because, you know, you're professional soldiers. You keep track of your own gear. Yeah. So okay. basically what I'm doing is adding 10 because it's trained to my intellect. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Just checking. That's a 40 that I've got to beat. I got a four. Nice. And I got a 35. Hey, hey, all right. So she looks at the uh, emblem of the double iris protection and legal services team on your uh, glamoured uh, power armor or whatever. <laughs> uh, and she nods curtly as she gives you a pretty like thorough up and down. Like you guys have tricked her, but she's not a dummy. She's yeah. caught, uh, you know, people have slipped up before uh, as milk fucking knows. Uh, so... <laughs> She she looks at you guys and she looks at him. She says, you need to keep a better eye on your cargo here. Do you need any assistance bringing him to his old locker? I think that would be wonderful, actually. Thank you so much. Of course. Let me walk with you. Um, she uh, looks over at the gawky teen who has like very shyly come back uh he's taken off the beard and he's just kind of like wringing it in his hands like a, a beggar with a hat yeah uh and she says um go get curtis have him look after these three um the teenager leaves for a few minutes uh he comes back a while later with a guy dressed in similar but just not quite as bodacious looking armor uh to hagar's um he taps a couple of buttons on a device at his belt and the three mascots all stand up and they all uh, kind of walk behind him. Uh, and as he is approaching, he eyeballs the one mascot that lost its head uh, and he pulls from a little compartment on a bandolier at his chest just a like uh, simple yellow plastic bag uh, that he puts directly over the crab claw as he escorts the three mascots away. Hmm. Uh, and Hagar Simpson turns and points to the gray security door uh, and says... Lockers are that way. Uh, go on over. And she is going to take up the rear. Crap. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. And as, uh, as long as she is there, uh, Murgatroyd is going to keep that smiling, happy, hopeful look on their face. They're uh, holding on to milk, right? Yes. <laughs> hey everyone, Nate here. Thanks for joining us for this very special episode of Nameless Monsters, where we learned to never leave Lester unattended in a theme park. 
If you are interested in this campaign, you can get it along with four others in the Terrors from the Cosmos Series 1 Kickstarter. Link in the show notes. And if you're with us here for the first time, thanks for being here. We have our main campaign, Trouble in Triple Springs, available for download wherever you get your podcasts. So come on and join us for the fun. Finally, if you liked the show, please tell your friends about us. Um, I can't tell you how much it helps to get the word out there. And while you're at it, you can rate and review us on whatever platform you enjoy the most. Oh, and I promise one last thing. A lot of this wouldn't have been possible without our friends and other creators at the Cast Junkie Discord. So big shout out to them and thank you so much for all your help and everything that you've done for us. We super appreciate it. 